live from Columbia, Missouri, this is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia! Welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Herring, and alongside me is Michael Mommy and Logan France. It is Friday, April 29th, the year of our Lord, 2022. It's been a little bit of a rough morning for myself, if I, if I say so. Kind of spilling the beans a little bit here in knowledge that's not important. but uh, Just don't do it in a movie theater. What? No! What? Oh, my... <laughs> Man, man needs to be quiet for a little bit. <laughs> Regardless, uh, I've had a little bit of a rough morning. You know, I, I might have had had one too many root beers last night, and I'm starting to feel a little bit of the effects this morning. So I'm feeling. Yeah, you guys are fine this morning. <laughs> you guys I, are fine. We have a lot to talk about, and I'm super excited. It's one of my favorite times of the sports calendar. We're into the NFL draft, and I'm I'm very excited. Logan's all. Over the soundboard right now, folks. I am pumped up. I'm ready he to go. Like fired we are. Up. I'm fired Let's up. Let's party get party already. Warmed up. Okay. Getting right. started. Whatever. Is he just gonna keep going? <laughs> you know, last night was draft. So joining us here live from Las Vegas. Live from never Las been, Vegas. Never been. Never been yet. I definitely do want to go. Joining us, Keegan Hartman and the Brandon Anthony. I believe he's there. But Keegan's here with us. They were live representing KCU over at the draft yesterday, and they'll be there, I believe, until uh, I believe that's Sunday. <laughs> right? That's not right, Keegan. Uh, we're actually going to be there or be here uh, first and foremost. Good morning, guys. Sorry. Good morning. Yes, Good morning to you, hey, Mr. Hartman. It's kind of funny that you bring it up. We both looked at each other. I was I was the one that was struggling to get out of bed this morning, ironically, and Brandon was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to our surprise. So it's like, it's like the of, it's it's the roles have been reversed. <laughs> I know. Switch room. Hey, the, the, I didn't think that I was going to struggle getting up because I thought I'd be on Missouri time, but yeah, I struggled getting up this morning. Uh, but anyway. No, uh, we're going to be here till Saturday covering the the draft. Um, but uh, yeah, I think tonight will probably be the like second, the last night that we do a lot of bulk coverage. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're excited to see what tonight beholds and and what tomorrow beholds. But last night was definitely something to talk about. It was it was definitely unpredictable and it was definitely uh, entertaining. How's the weather over there? That's that's the yeah, first oh, question. 85 and sunny yesterday. Oh yeah, dude, it's been beautiful. Dude, the good thing about here, they don't have any humidity, so you're oh, not yeah. sweating. Well, the, the, before we get into the, the draft talk and everything, <laughs> Vegas yeah. has it lived up. Uh, uh, well, we haven't got to we haven't got to participate in degeneracy yet. Um, but once we <laughs> degeneracy, do, we'll probably we'll probably. Uh, We'll probably love it to be honest. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah, we're definitely our last day. We're, we're hitting up to. a sports book tonight, so it, it, it's gonna get it's gonna get dangerous. Um, so. Along with the draft, a day of debauchery. All right, so getting into draft talk here, you guys were there. What was you know the biggest the biggest news of of yesterday? Oh, easily AJ Brown to Philly. Easily AJ Brown to Philly. I mean, uh, you know the Eagles desperately looking for. Um, that other receiver that they need to come in and, and compliment Devonte Smith probably wouldn't have been. I to me, I seemed far fetched. 
I, I really didn't believe that that was going to be something that would come to fruition and wasn't really talked about. Um, but definitely a, 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 a position of need for the Philadelphia Eagles and break up what other guys that would you want to bring in than AJ Brown? Yeah. And we it was, was going to be Debo Samuel. So AJ Brown was definitely a shocker. Uh, both have the same agent. So yeah. definitely uh, something to look out for there. But, yeah. For those uh, of you that for those of you that don't know, Brandon over there is a um, big 49ers fan. So he was um, thrilled, big, big I'm Niners sure, guy. to not see Debo get traded. But A.J. Brown, to me, I, I think he can hit it right on the head. It seemed like all smoke and mirrors to me, where it was just kind of this, oh, this might happen. It's kind of probably not. Like, we want to pay him. Mike Vrabel said as long as he's the head coach, A.J. Brown would still be on the roster. And then, you know, um, that happened. So it just, it the whole thing felt like smoke and mirrors to me. And I thought that they would pay him, they were going to give him the extension he needed and all that, nothing, you know, everything was going to be fine. But then they did this, and now the Eagles got that perfect wide receiver to kind of complement Devonta Smith's game, which I think is huge for them and um, huge for Jalen Hurts. So I think it's a good trade from both sides. I understand the Titans going out and getting Traylon Burks. He's probably the most similar to A.J. Brown in this draft class, though I don't think he is A.J. Brown. I think he's kind of a discount A.J. Brown. So we'll see how that comes out in the next couple of years. But I think it's a good trade for both sides. You no, know, it is a great trade for both sides. And I will add this. First and foremost, Howie Roseman, uh, the GM for the Philadelphia Eagles, typically misses in a lot of drafts as for positional need. You go back maybe two years ago when they drafted Jalen Rager. Now Jalen Rager is allegedly on the trade block. Um, that, that wide receiver room has failed to be – uh, capitalize. Okay, yes, Devonte Smith, but years previous, there's there's been uh, there's been some failure at addressing that position. Now you bring in a veteran, a a certified veteran. Uh, you know, at at this point, you ask yourself as as a fan, you know, it, AJ Brown is an offensive changer. Uh, you know, I mean, he will change your offense, and he and he adds size, he adds speed. You know, all the cliche necessities you need on your offense, but the question is going to be, how is it going to bode for Jalen Hurts? And if he doesn't succeed with this addition or doesn't thrive with this addition, what's the future behold for Jalen Hurts? I think that's the biggest question going into next season uh, because you're really you're paying this guy four years, 100 million, not for any reason. You, you got to contend. Yeah, yeah. And, and Keegan, staying with the wide receiver conversation, I'm going to switch gears on you here. Uh, we saw that you interviewed Chris Olave from Ohio State uh, when he got drafted mm -hmm. by the New Orleans Saints. And uh, a couple of things I wanted to bring up. I saw the, the question that you asked in his response, and he kind of touched along the lines. He responded uh, that he's a competitor, and because you kind of asked him, what do you make of the going there? He said he's a competitor, and he says, I'm going to have to be, quote, uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, or comfortable with being uncomfortable, as he had, uh, as he said, he had been put in some uncomfortable situations as a wide receiver at Ohio State. How do you feel about New Orleans' pick here, and uh, what do you kind of make of kind of a big shot Ohio State wide receiver going to New Orleans and adding to that uh, that wide receiver depth that they already have with uh, Michael Thomas? Yeah, well, him and Garrett Wilson are definitely – they have the same capabilities, and they prove that at Ohio State. They're stretched the field, blow the top off the secondary, uh, quick out of the release, create separation, um, just dynamic receivers – to me, Olave, 
okay, I, I thought I had a comparison there. Player comp, I'm still I'm still sifting through the old brain, but I know he's an opposite of, of Michael Thomas and he compliments Michael Thomas rather than conflicts or uh, mirrors Michael Thomas. Um, I know he said yesterday during his, his press conference that he tries to emulate a lot of Michael Thomas's game. Of course, Thomas was an alum in Ohio State, uh, but uh, I definitely think he compliments the offense um, and, and will bring some size and speed in opposition of, of Michael Thomas when he's healthy. Uh, or he could become that number one guy if they decide to move on from Thomas. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think he compliments the offense. And you know who in, else he compliments? You know who else he compliments is Jameis Winston. I think his kind of play style, he can take the top off of defenses in a way that Thomas really can't. And I think that's beneficial for Winston. I mean, we saw in his best season in Tampa Bay, he was throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who are both guys that can get open deep and make those plays. So I think it's something that he's, it's an option that he's going to like to have rather than just Michael Thomas on the slant. He can hit Olave deep. And I think that's going to be really beneficial for that Saints offense. Yeah, I think that the, the concerns me, though, especially with a guy like Jameis Winston as your QB, even in the, some of the Bucks best and most talented seasons they were you know six and ten seven and nine so I think Keegan my question to you is is with a quarterback like Winston and we all know he can throw the ball and we all know that you know he he has some mobility he has the he has the 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 arm to really expand the field the problem has been the turnovers so what do you think kind of puts Winston over the edge this year if he's going to take that big step to end up having the Saints become a playoff team hmm I don't know Brandon what do you think Mm. <laughs> you stumped him there. I think an extra piece will help him out with Alave, like you guys were talking about, uh, putting over the top, putting him over the top, uh, helping him throw deep and get more opportunities to to look deep. I think will be the key for Winston overall. I thought it was a pretty good uh, signing for or draft pick for New Orleans specifically because of for that reason. I mean, they got Jameis Winston that's who's I don't know if he's gonna be the future of their franchise pretty soon. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us see him as kind of their uh placement guy. Oh, he's you a bridge quarterback. Bridge quarterback, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think at least uh, the Olave pick will help him out. He's good for the resume, but beyond that, I mean, the dude's a traveler. He's going to be – he's not going to be a New Orleans Saint next year, especially given the draft class. I think that's why a lot of people were very conservative in general with the draft class last year. Malik Willis is still on the board, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral. I mean, to me, it was shocking. It was, it was only Kenny Pickett to Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, Yeah, yeah and that was it. And I, and I said four quarterbacks. I was like, oh, these guys are going to get hungry. I think four is, is appropriate. And I was wrong. I also um, But thought... I do expect, I do expect uh, the, 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 the steam to pick up. Um, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's Malik Willis, Lamar, the next Lamar Jackson, question mark. Well, I mean, I would be ticked off, too. You have all these, you, have all these, uh, you know, tangibles and intangibles ready to be displayed and and I just hope that he's selected early tonight. <laughs> yeah, the quarterback situation was something that I was interested in, too, because I also had four quarterbacks going in the first. I thought the Saints would take one. I thought the Steelers would take one, which they did. And then I thought the Panthers and the Lions would also take one. The Lions ended up trading out of that pick 32. And, you know, the Panthers went somewhere else. They went to um, Iki Iquanu with their six overall picks. So I thought there would be more quarterbacks taking. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight with those I mean obviously Pickett being the first off the board to, um last night 
you've got Corral, who I've heard the Saints are interested in, so that might be a situation to watch if they want to start um, grooming Corral behind Winston and then go from there. The Eagles have been around in the quarterback market. They might be looking for a guy to potentially replace Jalen Hurts if he doesn't impress soon. The Panthers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them past putting picking quarterback, although it might be later. I'm not sure if they have a second-round pick. I'd have to double-check that one. So it's an interesting market, and I'm interested to see what happens tonight because there is still quite a bit of quarterback talent left on the board despite none of them really being first for for me i I didn't watch a lot of it because i was i was at a uh sorority formal last night so anyway oh yeah we saw you get out yeah didn't we all i'm I'm a little bit i'm a little bit filled with with regret this morning but (laughs) (laughs) that's what you call it anyway anyway uh, i was more the whole Malik Willis conversation. I watched a lot of Malik Willis over the last few few seasons because I've considered myself a college football degenerate. So I've watched a lot yeah. of Liberty football and especially mm-hmm. some of the bowl games and even the regular season when we would go against the ACC. I, I, w- I want to know if it if if you guys think the decision to pick Pickett was more on conference opponents or just raw talent. That's because I'm looking at it this way. I love. I, I love Willis, and I'm a, I'm a big Pickett fan as well. But I think Will, Willis is the better player, in my opinion. I want to. See, what do you guys think in that in that field there? I think personally, for me, I had Willis ranked as my fourth quarterback on when I after after reviewing all of them. I personally thought Pickett was more polished in terms of processing um, and just able to read the field and. Uh, quicker thought processing. I thought that would do him better in the NFL compared to Willis. Malik Willis, I liked. I just felt like he was more of a running back versus a quarterback at this point. He wasn't as polished throwing the ball. So I thought that would kind of uh, remove his stock a little bit from the first round, which he hasn't been taken yet. So I think that was ultimately the deciding factor for me. If I was a quarterback looking for a team already in a weak quarterback class, I would have went with someone who was a little bit more ready to play at the moment. And I thought that was uh, Pickett over Willis. Willis definitely is athletic, and I think he'll be good. But I think he was just more raw, which would, which is why I thought a team would probably uh, not take him right away over some of the other quarterbacks that are out, like Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter. So, yeah, I think that's a very invalid point, and I'm going to have to disagree <laughs> with you. I think it was a backyard decision for Kenny Pickett, and you know him playing at Heinz Field. I think he was questioned about it. We talked to some guys about this. Like there was a mutual connection there, and it was it was there from the jump. Um, look, the whole thing with Malik Willis off the, you know. He is the number one quarterback of this class, and it's not even close. And I'm usually pretty on par with with this outlook here. He he has the mechanics. He has everything you would want, the leadership. He is a general when he's on the field. He facilitates. He's got the athleticism. Um, I think the whole thing with the small school is a very invalid point because you look at – he didn't – okay, first and foremost – when you look at his supporting cast, he didn't have anything, guys. Like, he did not have anything. And let me remind you of what his records were. Eight and five in 2018, 10 and one. It would have been 10 and one in 2019. And then eight and five this past season. Or no, no, no. It would have been uh, eight and five 2019, 10 and one 2020, eight and five 2021, the years he started. And that included a uh, a bowl win in 2018 as well. Their, their program's first yeah. one, which I was – 
I know this is like a little bit of a bragging point, I guess. I was the only one who picked Liberty in that game in my little pool I do at home because I knew I knew about Malik Willis then. And like you said, I'm a, I just don't understand why. I mean, I, I understand a little bit about the backyard thing. I talked about some guys last night about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, it makes sense given played at Heinz Field. He's familiar with the area. And it's more of that mutual thing. But I you think have it's him as number one, yeah. I think it's a superstition, too. My buddy always jokes, you know, the last time we missed on a Pittsburgh quarterback, he ended up becoming a Hall of Famer. Now, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but the Pittsburgh Steelers passed up on uh, Dan Marino in the 83 draft. It's like, damn, it's been that long since you guys have had a good quarterback come out of Pitt. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a different story for a different day. Look, <laughs> off on the field, on the field only, Malik Willis reminds me of Deshaun Watson. Uh, and in every facet of his game. And I think he's got, you know, like I said, the supporting cast wasn't there and he was still putting up numbers. Look at Deshaun Watson. That man had the fourth best offense with the Houston Texans and that offensive line was practically obsolete. It was like a Western barn swinging the bar bar doors. Like they just let everybody <laughs> through. So um, yeah, I just think, uh, I think Malik Willis is, is poised to be successful. And, and that's not to say Kenny Pickett can't, can't thrive in Pittsburgh, but I just think that they, they really missed the, missed the mark there. Yeah. I think their biases uh, took over uh, because barring the small school, he is a very, very, very well-groomed quarterback. Yeah. And, and I want to also talk about the elephant in the room here, and that is the first round pick. And, and I want to kind of go over this with you here. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people had Jacksonville taking Trayvon Walker. Uh, some people had him taking Aiden Hutchinson they ended up going with Walker, Walker being the defensive lineman, uh, Hutchinson being the edge. And so Hutchinson, I believe, went to the Lions, and Walker went, obviously, to the Jags. And then the other guy in the mix was uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who I think some seem to think he fell a little bit quick, a little bit further. He ended up going to the Giants, which will be interesting as a Washington fan to, to see him compete on that division for the next you know, 10, 15 years if, if it makes it that long. And I know how talented of a player he is. But I wanted to ask, how do you feel about Jacksonville making this move at first overall? I know some outlets had had that pick as graded a B minus. Some had it graded as a B plus. I'm interested to see what you guys think on that. Uh, well, I thought personally they should have went with Hutchinson. I thought he was just a little bit more uh, just all around, like a game wrecker all across the board for whatever team was going to get him. I thought for sure he was going to be a number one pick. It wasn't until like Keegan was telling me about how the odds were switching and it was going to be Trayvon Walker. And then sure enough, they picked Trayvon Walker uh, <laughs> for number one pick. So I watched a little Trayvon Walker tape. I definitely thought he had potential, not going to lie, but I didn't know he was going to go number one overall. Personally, I thought there was some stuff he needed to work on and that would kind of, uh, he would kind of fall because of that. And definitely Hutchinson would go number one, but apparently not. And uh, so I was a little surprised by it. not going to lie, but uh, Hey, went with Jacksonville. So hey, picked this guy. So Hey, I'll flex my muscles a little bit about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, I get a message from a certain somebody that says, Hey, uh, Trevon Walker is likely to go number one overall. And I was like, okay, so what's the conflict? Who's who's where? And all that time leading up within this said group chat, uh, we were talking about how there was kind of a conflict between Trent Baalke and Shad Khan's decision. Uh, Trent Baalke was wanting oh, this whole time 
was Trevon Walker. And then Shad Khan was very invested in, in Aiden Hutchinson's ability. And that doesn't negate the player Aiden Hutchinson is. Uh, but from a schematic standpoint, Trevon Walker, I think, fits the bill uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you look at his tape. I had to do it a second, third time just to see what he brings to the table. First and foremost, when you're 272 pounds, six foot five, and you're moving at four, five, two, you're running a 40 at four, five, two. Uh, oh my gosh, that sells it right there. You close the book and you just walk away because I mean, that's impressive in and of itself, but watch how he get, he wrecks, you know, plays. I've seen plays where he pushes his guard. He's up into, you know, the three technique and he's pushing a guard all the way down to the tackle. And the linebacker is supposed to come around Trevon Walker and make the play. Cause that's what defensive tackles are for defensive linemen are for, but he pushes the tackle out of the way, gets to the quarterback before the linebacker and forces a forced fumble like that. You don't ever hear of that. So I just think Trevon Walker can definitely make an impact. I know a lot of people give bulky a, a little bit of slack because uh, he, uh, then again, I Alden Smith was good in the beginning of his career, but look at him now m-i-z uh but um yeah i just i think trevon walker's a, a good selection for them and i think he's gonna bode well i think he'll thrive yeah i think the big thing with that pick is he's kind of your prototypical athlete like he is very athletic the size and speed is something you love to have it's just he's a lot less of a I don't want to say sure thing because there never is in the draft, but he's a lot less of a sure thing than you would be getting in Aiden Hutchinson. I think you know what you're getting in Hutchinson. You've seen that production. It's been there. Trevon Walker had a little bit of a little bit less of production in college. He's kind of less of a known commodity, and I feel like it's kind of a home run swing from the Jaguars. And I think the thing that really sticks out to me, they were talking um, on Around the NFL before the draft. Um, Greg Rosenthal said, I don't trust the Jaguars to get the boomer bust guy because everything the franchise has done for the past decade has been bust. That was the way he put it. And I think that when you look at that, obviously you don't want past decisions to scare you away from making future ones. But I just don't know if I trust the Jaguars to have gotten this right. I don't trust Trent Balky. I just don't know if they ended up getting this one right. I think Hutchinson should have been the pick, and I think he would have been a better pick. I think Thibodeau would have been a better pick than Walker as well. Yeah, and then one more final thing I want to add here, Keegan. I don't remember the last time. I mean, maybe it's been a couple years. To me, it's been a while since this much stress has been put on defensive players going the first round. I know we've kind of gotten spoiled with uh, terrific quarterbacks going in the first round. Obviously, last year, everybody remembers Trevor Lawrence. So the question that I have for you is, how do you feel about, obviously, the shakeup this year, right? Because one quarterback went... In the first, in, in 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 day one, I mean that that doesn't that hasn't happened in such a long time because we've been spoiled with this first round quarterback talent. So how do you feel about that that sh- that shakeup this year? Uh, I'm sorry, I kind of zoned out a little bit. Wait, can you? <laughs> can you? Uh, how do you feel you about uh, the defense? The, the the stress on on defenses this year. The defense going highly in the first round. Defensive player going in the top first four picks. Hey man, you look, I've always been on this this uh, side where defense wins championships and when teams are deprived of the pieces that they need to succeed on the defensive side it was a little bit a little bit of poetry right there. Uh I think um I, you know I think it's essential and especially for teams like Jacksonville, Detroit, and Houston, uh typically I mean 
I just, I think all those pieces can, can be factors and come in and contribute, um, be it Sting, the top three picks, Stingley, Walker, Hutchinson, and completely fine considering that this draft class, this quarterback draft class is basically the NFC East of previous draft classes. Right. It's, it's very um, lackluster um, in many eyes, but uh, I definitely think that that defense is the way to go. Defense is the move for, for the teams that need it. Brandon? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think defense uh, is important still in the league, even though the league's more transferring into an offensive type of league. And you mm-hmm. got to have the quarterback or the, the the certain weapons on the offensive side of the ball to really compete in this day and age. However, I think kind of with the quarterbacks we've seen in this class and not being as strong as future classes, I think that kind of ultimately led a bunch of teams to go defense and just kind of this has been more of a defensive draft just from the fact that of all the defensive talent that's out there, they felt like they needed to get more pieces on the defensive side of the ball and this was the draft to do it. So I definitely think uh, defense is the way to go too and uh, versus offense, especially this draft and with the quarterback and everything that we've seen. So, yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break. We come back. They're going to stay. I'm going to, well, <laughs> They don't have much of a choice. They're staying <laughs> for some predictions on day two of the draft. You listen to the Hot Corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Okay. Hey, this is KCOU, 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. We're still joined by Breakfast of Champions host Keegan Hartman and Brandon Ante. The third name, I'm sorry, I totally forgot who the third guy is, but... Ryan Crothers. There we go. There we go. It's been, it's been a long morning. Day two of the draft happening today. They're still with us, so hey, we're talking... Day two predictions, so definitely going to be some fun stuff going on here. Talks about Malik Willis, like we kind of talked a bit, kind of talked him to death today. Where Matt Corral going if he goes second round? All that fun stuff. So, as usual as we did last segment, guys, questions, anything that you guys want to start with, you can throw it out there. Yeah, I'll start out here 
with a question for the two of you. Obviously, um, two of us in this room are um, fairly big Bears fans, and I've been racking my brain trying to figure out where they're going at 39 for months now. And I'm wondering what you guys think, where, the, where you think they're going to go. And, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out a name that I'm thinking of as George Pickens, the wide receiver out of Georgia, who I think could be first, um, when all of a sudden done, could have turned out to be a first-round talent in this draft. What do you think of maybe him being the selection at 39? And if not him, where do you think they end up going? Hey, look, I really thought that the Chiefs missed their mark yesterday because I thought George Pickens was going to slide in. Uh, even the Jahan Dotson, uh, out of Penn State going to Washington. I thought that that was a very shocking pick uh, because I didn't really have dots in that high, to be honest. Uh, I had Pickens as like my, let's see. So it went, how did I have it? I had Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson on that back end, and then George Pickens to lead the way. Uh, and that that bottomed out for me, my top ones. Um yeah, I was shocked that George Pickens didn't make it into there. Um, and, and I really think if the Bears want to make a move, what are they at? Pick 36, right? Or, 39. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not far out. Uh, when I look at this draft order, give me a second, because I, I come in prepared. I did not come prepared. for. So I can, I can interject, because this was something that I did last night, looking at teams that might want a wide receiver. The Titans stick out to me, although they got the, a wide receiver last night. I don't think they're going to double up. The Giants could easily take a wide receiver, and the Texans could easily take a wide receiver. Other than that, I'm not sure what stands in the way between Chicago and George Pickens. Mind you, North uh, North Dakota State uh, Christian Wilson. He is also one of those. Him too. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you got to watch for. I think he's going to go probably within the first four picks tonight uh, because he was projected a first round and a lot of people's boards. Um, so I definitely think that there's going to be movement for him. Uh, but Brandon, go ahead and you can answer that one. Yeah, I think uh, Pickens definitely is the guy to look out for, Logan. Uh, also, Christian Watson, though, like Keegan was talking about, um, just he was supposed to go first round just from what I've seen of him. Big-bodied wide receiver. He can do a lot of stuff in the backfield, even line up as a running back, not to mention another player that can also do that. Um but uh, he has to kind of – he can kind of play that wide back role of like we see uh, certain wide receivers in the NFL do. Um, he's pretty polished in terms of route running. Uh, it is – he is playing against FCS teams. That doesn't necessarily Don't mean diss it. the wide FCS receivers. teams. I will die on this hill. Anyway, I think he's definitely a good prospect. You can look out for a day two early. Uh, Logan, I believe you guys are at 39, right? Yep. 39, yeah. yeah. And so, – he can be someone to look out for too. So. I want to I want to switch gears a little bit here and and go back to the Malik Willis conversation because I think everybody was shocked to see him not go on the first round and to have Kenny Pickett be the one quarterback that goes. I know Logan, you said you had four quarterbacks taken in the first round, and for uh, Pickett to be the only one that goes to me, it just it just seems a little little unfortunate. Uh, this mock draft and and this is uh, Pete Flutax of USA Today, I believe has Seattle Seahawks trading up from Denver, getting QB Malik Willis out of Liberty. Um, I know some people also have Washington taking Malik Willis. Uh, I also see Washington, this or not me, but I see this mock draft has Washington taking Desmond Ritter, obviously a quarterback needy team uh, with Carson Wentz, bridging the gap between going to the next QB. Uh, how do you feel about Willis headed to Seattle? Do you think that he adds more depth with Locke, or do you think Locke immediately goes to the bench 
if they make that move up from Denver and take Willis in the second round? Oh, look, I love Drew, but yeah, he's going to the bench. Like, I mean, he, he's, he's spectating. Uh, and I really hate it for Drew because I don't think he's gotten a fair shot. And I'll, I'll die on that hill uh, if we're talking about hills, Patrick. Uh, but I think that, that Malik Willis beholds like that much talent and proven talent uh, to get a fair shot at starting. Uh, and I think you would be, you would, you'd be doing a disservice to him uh, if, if you didn't give him that opportunity, because I think Malik, Malik Willis is, is he he embodies what a modern day quarterback is. So I, I definitely think uh, that, that that he's deserving of that. Brandon. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, Malik Willis is sort of that modern type of staple you want to uh, draft in terms of quarterback. And I could definitely see Seattle taking him, uh, especially after losing Russell Wilson. I think they're going to kind of look for that similar type of quarterback. You do similar things in terms of mo- mobility and not to compare him to Russell Wilson, but, you know, mobility, you get what I'm getting at. Mobility and able to move out of the pocket versus just being a pocket passer. Um, so I definitely can see Seattle going for him, although they have been interested in Desmond Ritter as well. Wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, end up in Seattle either. Um but yeah, I definitely can see Malik Willis going there. Yeah, the thing that worries me about Malik Willis is his if wherever he ends up going, his mechanics are going to need to be changed to make some of the throws that you see in the NFL. His his deep ball, if you watch his deep ball, it just doesn't look anything like it should to me. His release just seems off, and obviously that was one of Russell Wilson's great traits was his deep ball. So if they're going to try and groom Malik Willis to be that like next Russell Wilson, so to speak, they're going to need to fix his mechanics it worked for them in college I don't think it's going to work for him in the NFL where the windows are tighter and he needs to be more on point I just think there's going to be some some struggles there with him it's definitely something that can be coached up I think he has the best upside of any of these quarterback prospects but he that's going to need to be changed if he that those mechanics are going to need to be changed if he wants to have success at the NFL level and sticking on quarterbacks here I wanted to bring up Matt Corral because obviously he's still on the board some say he'll go ahead of Willis some say he doesn't um, I think the New Orleans Saints are a decent fit for Corral. I personally do. I think that they are in a bit of a quarterback carousel right now, and the options that they have don't look good. I think that this is kind of a year. Oh, yeah. So I think right now, with that pick of having Olave there, and obviously the, the OT, what do you do if you're New Orleans in the second round? Do you go to Matt Corral? Do you try and make a move up to get him? Do you take him if he falls? What do you do if you're New Orleans right now? Uh, I think they'll go quarterback. I think they'll, I mean, I don't think they went obviously in the first round because they had better options on the table, like Lave, for example, but I think Corral is definitely an option. Um, you know, Malik Willis, if he's not taken, obviously would be an option. Uh, Desmond Ritter, but I definitely think they address quarterback with their second pick. Cause I think now that we're in the second round and there's, a lot of quarterbacks left. I think all the kind of quarterback needy teams who can use a quarterback are going to start uh, selecting quarterbacks now that we're in the second round and there's a lot available still and that they've addressed other needs in the first round. So that's just my take. Keegan, what do you think? Um, I'll give you two. Uh, these are probably bold predictions, but I, I'll give you two hypotheticals here. Um, I think one thing that the Saints could address and – this is depending on the relationship between them and said player. Uh, but I think that they could possibly look at running back. I know that sounds asinine. 
I know that you're like, but Alvin Kamara is still there. Alvin Kamara has gotten into some issues this offseason, and I have a fair assumption. It's it's kind of an assumption. I know that there was kind of like a hoax tweet. It was a, it was a falsified tweet uh, that said that he had been uh, was going to be traded, released, something stupid like that. And um, I just I I don't know what those what these off season issues presented. But I would venture to say that it's something to watch and something to monitor. Uh, that's again, that's a very bold take. I honestly don't know, uh, but I think that eh, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like that they could evaluate that as a potential a potential position. The other one I look at is probably I would say tight end. I you know I think yeah. uh, I think the tight ends in this class are being under recognized, uh, not just. McBride, you have Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Uh, you have Jelani Woods from Virginia Tech. So I think that there's a lot of guys here that can come in and make a contribution uh, at the uh, at the tight end position. And I, and I think there's an underappreciation because it's a lot of good talent uh, at that position. And that's also a position of need for the, the New Orleans Saints, uh, depending on where they want to. I, I, would, I would venture to say they're going to be there for a little bit. So I don't think there's really too much movement for that. Um, but yeah, I just think those are two positions in general that they could probably address, evaluate tonight, heading into the later rounds. Yeah, we can put a pin in that discussion for the tight ends and running backs. I do want to just kind of bring it back to the um, quarterbacks here, like we were talking about. And so this is going to be a controversial take in the room here, but I personally think Matt Corral is the best quarterback in this draft. Mm -hmm. I just, I just think that he throws with so much conviction. He reads the field well. He has a great sense of timing. He's always going to be one. He'll he'll move, but he can, he keeps his eyes downfield too, and he's looking to make the play. And I just think that he feels like the most polished quarterback in the class, and I think he's the best one. And when you're looking at um, scenarios where he can go, I think 40 or 41 to Seattle, they have both those picks make sense. 43 to Atlanta makes a whole lot of sense for a quarterback. 49 to the Saints, 51 to the Eagles. They've been around that mix. So I think there's... A few picks where we could see quarterbacks going, and I think probably in the second round you're going to see Desmond Ritter, you're going to see Matt Corral, you're going to see Malik Willis. And I think if I want to throw one more name into that mix, I think you might see Carson Strong go in the second two out of Nevada. Oh, he wow, doesn't yeah. kind of fit the modern-day NFL quarterback. He kind of, the way I put it in um, my notes about him was he moves like 2020 Phillip Rivers. Like he just doesn't have that mobility. But if he can stay in the pocket and kind of maneuver around there I think he's going to be kind of your prototypical pocket passer and if someone's looking for kind of an old style offense he might be the pick there so I don't know if we'll see him go in the second round but he's a name to monitor I think okay all right yeah no I, I like that one I, I think that's a that's a pretty good that's a fair assumption I, I, I would say I would say Corral would probably be in terms of athleticism I think he's the second best quarterback in this class um you know, obviously there might be a little bit of subjectivity because I watched a little bit of SEC football more than a lot more. Um, but I definitely think he has the traits there. Somebody said that who made the who made the comp? I thought it was a ridiculous comp, but they said that they he reminded him of, of Baker Mayfield, maybe maybe in some facets, but I don't think like entirely as a player. Um, I think he's a far more athletic quarterback than Baker Mayfield is. Uh, and yeah, I, I definitely think that that that's a pretty good assumption. Uh, having him number one, though, Logan. I mean, you're an entitled you're entitled to an opinion, but I might be a little bit subjective to 
Malik. I just don't see it with Willis. I think I mentioned um, earlier kind of his just problems with like his mechanics on deep balls and something that's going to need to be coached out of him. Like I said, I think there's a lot of upside to Malik Willis, and I think if he ends up in the right spot, he'll end up having a better career, career than Corral. I just think he needs some coaching up, and he might need a year on the bench to reach his full potential. It's not to say he can't do it. I just don't know if... You know, there's a lot of questions with where he might end up landing and whether or not he'll get coached up to be the guy that he can be. And if Willis is taken, my question is this, and and I know that uh, Brandon has brought up Trey Lance a lot, a big Trey Lance guy Brandon is. And when you look at Trey Lance's film, you know, obviously arms solid, but legs are the biggest threat. We've seen Lance in there on occasion last season with the Niners and them using his legs. If Willis is taken by a team, whether that be Seattle or whatever, do you see a team putting Willis in? Low, and this question's for Logan, Keegan, and Brandon, because I, I don't know if you guys will disagree on this. But do you see Willis come and Patrick? Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm part of this show too. You <laughs> yeah, I, you've been a little quiet over there, so I'd like you to talk more. Uh, but if you have Willis in there, do you see them only using Willis on like these spur of the moment plays where they need his legs? Or do you actually see him going in and actually making an impact on a team with his arm? That's that's my question. Because I don't know if they're going to use him when they need him. I can start uh, off. Okay, you can go ahead. I was just, there was no one talking. All right, all right. I'll start off. Um, I, think, I think you can definitely see him going in kind of in, in running situations, like on like third and short, him coming in and, having him use his legs at first versus having him throw the ball. I think though, personally, I've always been kind of uh, around this opinion with Trey too, because I've, I, I see a lot of comparisons to Trey Lance too from his film, but I think per- personally um, the best way to kind of get a quarterback that has raw talent, I think uh, ready to play in the NFL is simply just throw him in the game. Like that may sound weird or like sound like it's not going to go well, but I think, the main, I think you, you got to throw him into the game and kind of just let him learn kind of uh, the speed of the NFL and let him kind of develop his talent based on that. I mean, he's, he's athletic enough to escape and use his legs and make something out of nothing with his legs. Uh, but in order to truly learn NFL defenses, I think having him kind of be in the mold already and have to read coverages and stuff like that, NFL coverages, I think will only do him well. Uh, especially for a, a team that's quarterback needy, hence Seattle or one of these other teams that uh, don't necessarily have a full-blown starter that they can just start in and have Malik Willis sit behind. I think you can. You, I think they definitely need to take the chance and just have Malik Willis start right away. I think we're seeing less and less quarterbacks sit behind veterans and come in and be successful. I know a lot of people uh, talk about the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation, but I think that was a situation in and of himself. And it was more Andy Reid who was preparing uh, Patrick Mahomes behind the scenes as well as Patrick Mahomes coming in. But I think you're seeing less and less of that as uh, the modern NFL rolls on. So that's my take on it. And I think they should throw him in, kind of let him learn stuff right away. And I don't know what you guys think, but. Yeah, I don't think that I just don't think quarterbacks learn from the bench anymore. I think Patrick Mahomes is the exception, not the rule. Trey Lance is the exception, not the rule. They just, it doesn't happen these days just simply because what what are you getting if you're not getting those game reps? Like right. mo- the starting quarterback's going to get most of those practice reps and it's just it's not 
valuable to learn from the bench anymore. I think the place that I really want to see Malik Willis go, it's a quarterback needy team, and I think he'll start right away there, is Atlanta. And I think their head coach there, Arthur Smith, did great things with Tannehill in Tennessee, and he kind of turned him from this middling quarterback that he was in Miami to one of the most efficient um, passers in the NFL. So I think there's a case to be made there that Atlanta is a perfect landing spot for Malik Willis, and obviously they just added yesterday, um, which they drafted a wide receiver in his name, Drake London. Um, yeah. For go. my money, the best wide receiver in the draft. I should have remembered that. But they drafted Drake <laughs> London there, and I think that Malik Willis would be a perfect fit in that offense, and I think Arthur Smith would love to have him around. So that's that's where I'd like Malik Willis to go, my ideal landing spot for him. Yeah, okay. I, I was going to say, I was gonna say it's, did, you, did you call on me? Like, no, I was going to ask you a question. All right, ask me the question then. Okay, so... Because I know you're a big, you've always been a big Malik Willis guy, and you've talked about it a lot on the show. And Brandon brought up developing, yeah, developing arm talent. My question for you, Patrick, is how does a quarterbacks coach? If I'm a quarterbacks coach right now, and I, Malik Willis is drafted to my team, head coach takes him. How are we going to approach that? How are we going to develop that arm talent? How are we going to make him bridge that gap between college football quarterback to full ready pro NFL quarterback? What's your take on that? Well, uh, <laughs> um, from the person who has the least amount of football knowledge in this room and on this Zoom room as well, that's a very hard question for me to answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm saying, you've been a big you. Malik Willis guy. I've been watching his okay, tape in right, the FCS. I'm going to go off of what I've seen and what I've watched. I've seen he's he's got a great arm. He's hit guys deep. I've watched a lot of Liberty games because I'm sick. But, I mean... If you're looking in terms of the of NFL, how they're going to train someone to do, I mean, I mean, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I'm what just was saying. The question? What was the question? Hey, I'll phone a friend. Yeah, yeah, phone, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he can come out me over this with this because I, I am making it? myself look okay. very stupid here. Right. It, the, oh, the, question, the question was about how would a, how would a uh, NFL quarterbacks coach get Malik Willis pretty much ready for the NFL? Is that in, in yeah. simplified terms? How do you, how oh, yeah, do, you yeah. do that? How do you do that? How do you yeah. approach that? Uh, well, here's the thing. Um, I think there's a few things where, you know, going over to his attributes, he's a little, okay. All right. That is a good question. What are some of the attributes um, that Malik Willis struggled with? To me, I just looked at all the, I just saw a lot of upside. Uh, I'm going to swing it back over to you, Mommy. Like what developmental wise, because I think maybe it's my subjectivity, uh, yeah. developmental-wise, what do you think that he needs to fix? I mean, the dude leads safeties, the deep ball, he's a deep – I mean, the deep threat, the deep ball, he can – he is a mismatch for safeties deep. He runs right. towards the sidelines. You know, he's agile. He's got good hips. He's got good awareness. The only thing I would say, actually, I do now that I think of it, a lot of the pre-snap reads, a lot of the things about breaking down a defense and kind of understanding the coverages, that was one of the biggest knocks for him. But you also look at some of the greatest quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes couldn't even read a freaking defense until yeah. like year number two. He said, oh, you know, yeah, my first full year of starting, I couldn't even read the defense. Matter of fact, I couldn't even tell you the coverages. I just knew where to throw it. And so I think I think that that is, yes, a, an issue when you cannot read or comprehend the defenses. I don't think he's been subjected to the, a lot of the pro-style defenses. But in the, in the NFL, I feel like it's a clean slate. Um, and and it, it's, 
if in if in the right situation, I think he will thrive tremendously, and his prop his problems, his mechanical issues will be obsolete. Yeah, I can chime in here because I'm one who's um lower on Malik Willis than the rest of the room. But like I said, I think those mechanics need to be fixed, and that's why I brought up Atlanta as a landing spot for with Arthur Smith there. I think he needs to fix that. I just think he's throwing, you know, at Liberty, you're playing lesser competition. I'm not trying to discount that, but I think when you get to to NFL corners, one of the things you've got to keep in mind when evaluating quarterbacks or wide receivers in the draft class is that those corners in college, they get a lot better when you get to the NFL. It's one of the bigger switches. And I just think that when you're going to have to make those throws into tight windows, I think those mechanics are going to be ironed out. I think you're going to need to fix that. Also, there's been bulk um, security concerns, at least in what I saw, especially with in terms of interceptions. And I think when coverage gets tighter, it's going to be more difficult for Malik Willis. So I think there's definitely a lot of upside there, but there's also there's a lot of raw talent to tap into, but you have to fix some of those more basic fundamentals in order to get him to unlock that full potential. So if I'm a quarterback's coach, that's what I'm working on. I'm working on getting his mechanics ironed out and getting him to throw a deep ball that still works and works for him, but also to kind of get more traditional in terms of his mechanics and kind of get more fundamentally sound. Well, I mean, Keegan also, sorry. Real quick before, before you guys get to your next point, uh, to Logan's point, go back and watch the film on the receivers it, a lot of his passes, the reasons they were delayed or overthrown was because his receivers couldn't break their release. Their footwork was, their footwork was, it was not, it wouldn't allow them to get downfield. It wouldn't allow them to make the plays. And I just think that if he's with a better receiving cast and a better offensive line, and then the offensive line, it's atrocious at Liberty. Sorry, Patrick, I know you watched them a lot. Yeah, they're, sure they're, they're not, it's not exactly a very, you know, He's the he's the shining star of that program. Yeah, yeah, it's not Willis. It's everything. It's everything around him. What you talking about, Willis? It's, it's everything around him. So, yeah. I love the mommy. That was a, that was a great one. I was not ready for that one. All right. Well, special thanks to uh, Keegan and Brandon. You can catch them on 10 a.m. Fridays for the remainder of the school year. Thank you guys for coming up on the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys and good luck to the rest of your day and have some fun in Vegas for us because it's probably a hell of a lot more fun out there. Than Do an open mic. Do yeah, an open always, mic always a fun like time. Always a fun time talking to you guys. Hope you have fun in Vegas some tonight and if you're there tomorrow, tomorrow as well. But yeah, catch them at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Any sports bets? Any any baseball sports bets? Anything? Y'all want to be insightful? Uh, bet against the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> no, bet against Washington. Bet against the Nationals. South Corner does right not there. condone um, sports gambling. Sweet. We do not. Throw that out there. Do I'll, not split the, I'll split the winnings. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We come back. We have our signature segment. The final word. This is Hot Corner, KCU 8.5 and KCU.FM. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man. Mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Mm, man. Hey. Yeah. You listening right now to KCOU 8.1 FM. Here, check out this sneak peek of what to expect on Cup of Bro. 
So if you had to give it like a flavor profile, would you call it like a Tahiti sunrise or more like a San Francisco fog? Um, I would say it's almost like a San Francisco dusk. It's not just flavors. We got sports too. From Wisconsin, Tyler Hero, <laughs> uh, the man, the myth, the legend. So join us Fridays at 11 a.m. You reached KCLU. Please leave a message. Thank you. I am from Jumphiller, Canada. Uh, I took part in recording a funny song, a parody of Tom Jones' song, Delilah. Uh, it's funny because it's about a bowl of past. It's called lasagna. I'm wondering if I could send you an MP3 of it. Um, could you please get back to me? My number is called lasagna. When you hear that, it means one thing, unless you're being Animal House fan. I say it every week. Time for our signature segment, The Final Word, where I pick a weird sports story slash sport. Michael picks a hero of the week, and Logan starts your next your workday off with a nice, feel-good story. And I'm going back in the, I'm going back to what I originally done in this show back in the day. I got a weird sports story today, and it comes out of the great city of Oakland. The A's are struggling with attendance. I'm going to try to make this fast. We're going we're gonna kind of kind of tight on time here. The A's are struggling with attendance. During you know the last couple weeks, they've brought in fans of about two thousand, two to about two to five thousand fans per game. Which, if you know anything about baseball, that's very, very, very low. I mean, it's day games, but it's still night games too. But it's it, that's bad. But what's getting, what's instead coming to these games, is not fans, but cats. About 30 to 40 feral cats have flourished in and around the Coliseum the last few weeks. And this is a quote I have here from the Stadium Authority Executive Director, Henry Gardner, who told Oakland, Oakland side, said, quote, You have to give them an A, because the A's, for dealing with the rodents, but we don't need as many in the Army right now as Tony Authority Colony, a colony. A feral cats has taken over the A's. Maybe they can help save the team and spend more money because that team, God, they need to spend more money. Call them the Oakland Catletics, am I right? Ha. Okay. Ha. All right. All right. Ha. Thank you. Thank you. I got to give him a hand for that one. That, that, that was pretty good. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you gave me that face. I thought you were going um, to rip I was, it to shreds. I was going to want to mute you, but hey, well. I'm the only one that has the power to mute anyone here. So. Whatever. I digress. <laughs> Michael, you're up. All right, so real quick here. I know we're tight on time. I don't know how you pronounce the town name, but it's in North Carolina. Tales Academy, Apex Cancer Survivor, Shatters School Record with 21 varsity letters. This young lady, uh, as a child, had cancer, leukemia. She battled it, and she also battled it out on the tennis courts. And she ended up receiving 21 varsity letters, uh, broke record, extended her list of accomplishments already in life, uh, if you want to go ahead and check that out, Laura Brown on ABC 11 has a story. Just an incredible uh, feat uh, in also not only beating cancer, but beating the odds as a student and breaking all those records. Just an incredible moment for her. That is a great story, Michael. And I want to, we're circling back here. We're going to come full circle because my feel-good story this week comes to you from the draft. And it is Ohio State defensive lineman Haskell Garrett. Um, projected to go anywhere between the fourth round and the seventh round, so somewhere on day three. But he opted to remain in Ohio State for his fifth season, had 5.5 5 sacks and seven tackles for losses, um, received all Big Ten first-team honors. 
And on August 30th, 2020, Haskell Garrett was um, was shot in the face in the university district trying to break up an altercation. And the bullet went through one cheek and out the other and also went through his teeth and tongue. So he has he worked hard to re, um, rehab from that and recover and started the season in October. And a quote from Garrett here is says, my story is still being written. All those people that endured my journey with me, it's just so gratifying. That sense of success, it's not just mine, it's everybody's. It's like an investment. It's paid off. Everything that my family and everybody around me has gone through, it's just overwhelming. So his name potentially likely to be called on day three of the draft, which would be Sunday. But I, or I'm sorry, Saturday. I forgot what day it was for a second. Um, day three on Saturday. I think we'll hear his name at some point, and it's just a story of adversity and overcoming the odds for Haskell Garrett. So he's he's my feel-good story for It'll this definitely be a name I'll be looking out for on Saturday when I sit down and watch eight hours of the draft, because that's a lot. All right, with that, that is the end of another edition of the Hot Corner. Make sure to check us out on our dead social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours dead. truly at Patrick Harry and Logan at Living Like Logan and Michael at Mommy Michael. Also, be sure to tune in to Breakfast of Champions today at 10 a.m. to hear their draft coverage as well. They're there all weekend, well, till tomorrow night or tomorrow. But make sure to also check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, any other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. It'll be a wonderful Friday. We will see you next week for one of the last episodes of the Hot Corner here in Mid-Missouri. So, Hot Corner, signing off. The charade that doesn't seem to be a